Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, and we take theology and bring it to the streets. Today we'll be studying the 43rd chapter of Genesis in a sermon that I preached. Hope you are challenged by it. The context is that Benjamin has been taken captive by Joseph because he wants Benjamin to come down. This is all a test for the brothers. So with no further ado, Genesis 43. We left off last week showing that God is using Joseph and his ingenuity twofold. First, to keep sustenance alive in Egypt, right? Food, there's, there's a famine then in the land, right? So God is using Joseph to keep sustenance um, in Egypt. Um, and that Joseph's plan is working out. He came up with this plan of, of how to do that. But more important than that, God is using Joseph to shape and to mold his brothers, which would require their acknowledgement and repentance of their sin. But, and there's a lot here, there's a lot of layers that we're dealing with here, and just as important as these factors is God is also shaping and molding Jacob, who must come to realize he has to let go of past favoritisms in light of future restoration of God's people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts here. In fact, we remember that Simeon was held hostage by Joseph as the brothers went back and told Jacob that unless Benjamin comes back with them, Joseph would deem their brothers as spies. But Jacob made it clear, remember young Jacob made it clear that Simeon, the lesser son of Jacob, is not worth him losing his favorite son, Benjamin. So basic Jacob said no. And we left off last week at a standstill in the narrative process. But Jacob, and, and you know, me first, sometimes we're just kind of small-minded. We don't realize the God that we serve because Jacob must come to realize that there are three generations at stake. And Jacob needs to come to terms concerning the importance of self-sacrifice when one is called to lead God's people to a place of deliverance. We have a huge calling. And Jacob is being challenged, will be challenged by all people by Judah that, you know, this is a lot more about than it is about you. It's about the future generations of God's people. And, and let me just say this, and, and, and I don't want to be long-winded here with this, but the impact that you have in this world you never know. I mean, there's people that God has ordained to be saved that you may be speaking that word to, and you have no idea when that word may come into fruition. You have no idea. Even if it doesn't come into fruition in three years, and five years, there's still a, a huge calling on our lives in this generation. And we're going to be responsible for what God has given us 
for such a time as this. And here, when you look at the challenge, when you look at the challenge that Jacob is, is having here, he's in basically is being challenged that he's going to be responsible for three generations. Um, so Jacob must come to realize that three generations are sake, and Jacob needs to come to terms concerning the importance of self-sacrifice when one is called to lead God's people to deliverance. So in these cases, God has put the pressure on because more times than not, we are not adhering to the direction that God is pointing. Discernment is a gift from God brought about by providential circumstances. Let me say that again. Discernment is a gift of God brought about by providential circumstances. With that, go to Genesis 43. Let me read the first 10 verses here. Sometimes God has to do something for us to move. Just the way he operates. And praise God for that. Praise God. Sometimes he's got to do something for us to move. Now, the famine was heavy. Kabod, the famine was heavy in the land. And it happened when they had finished eating the grain which they had brought from Egypt that their father, Jacob, said to them, go back, buy us a little food. Judah spoke to him, however, saying, the man solemnly warned us, saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you will not see my face unless your brother is with you. Then Israel said, why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? But they said, the man questioned particularly about us and our kin, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we told him concerning these things. Could we possibly have known that he would say, bring your brother down? Then Judah said to his father Israel, send the boy with me, and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, we as well as you and our little ones. Three generations. I myself will be the guarantee for him. From my hand you may require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then I shall bear the sin before you all my days. For if we have not delayed, if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have returned twice. Now the pressure is put on providentially. It depicts that the famine was heavy in the land. It was intense. The sovereignty of God here is making matters worse for Jacob and his family. And Jacob tells him to go buy food. Not in a demanding way like before, but all the states basically as though it were a matter to take a trip to the nearby market. But Judah steps to the forefront. We see that in verses 3 and 4. And he lets his father know the reality of the situation. And it's a serious challenge. 
has mentioned, saying, will Jacob let go of the past in light of the future? That's a serious question. Jacob is holding on to the past. He's holding on to Benjamin, which we know is his favorite son now that Joseph, he thinks, is gone from his favorite wife, Rachel. And it's a huge challenge for Jacob to let go of the past in light of the future. In fact, in fact, think about our salvation. Think about when one comes to Christ, they let go of their past in light of the future. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful analogy here that we're looking at, because when one is truly saved by grace through the Spirit, they let go of their past in light of future eternity with Christ. So this is the challenge to Jacob. And Judah is challenging him in such a way and saying, basically, listen, Dad, if you don't give up Benjamin, we're going to starve. And I'm not going. The writer of Hebrews, now, now think about this. This is a huge challenge for us. Letting go of our past tendencies in light of God's future promises in Christ. These things must be severed. The, the writer of Hebrews talks about these weights, right? Not sin. He separates sin and weights. This is an interesting play, Miss Glinda. But the writer of Hebrews talks about these weights that hold us back. Let's talk about that for a second. What are these weights that hold us back? And what are they holding us back from? Talk about human responsibility, right? But, 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 but think about this, some of the weights. It could be family. It could be relationships, even jobs that keep us not totally dedicated to the Lord. In fact, Judah is telling his father, this is a stipulation that the Egyptian ruler has put forth. Benjamin must come with us to purchase food and to get Simeon out of prison. But see, what happens is this leaves Jacob vulnerable. See, sometimes that's where God needs us to be. We need to be vulnerable. We need to be depending on him. And here Jacob is going to be put in a vulnerable situation because he's being challenged to let go of his past in light of the future. I'm not going, Judah says, and the brothers are not going unless you give us Ben-Hamin. And that's a challenge. Because we like to hold on to some things, Jan. It's our nature. We like to hold on to some things. And this is, again, all of us need to be challenged by this. Not only is Jacob vulnerable now, he's not going to be in control. He's not going to be in control of his son Benjamin if he sends him, right? He won't be in control of the situation. In fact, when we let go of things that we cherish in light of the future, we are left vulnerable and we are left to trust in God. 
This is exactly at times where God wants us, where we're not the controlling factor, we're not dictating what is to be done, and we're being brought out of our comfort zone, so to speak, but the question remains, will Jacob trust God? And so we don't think about this enough, or think about this. One expositor said Jacob has not even mentioned God's name since the Dinah incident. Jacob, again, must let, let go of the past in light of the future concerning what God is now ordaining in his life. This is tough stuff, man. This is faith. I mean, this is hard stuff. And I think I mentioned it last week, but it needs to be mentioned again. This is nothing new for the patriarchs, right? I mean, Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, was told to sacrifice his son Isaac despite the future promises that, were con that, that, that concerned Isaac. In fact, Abraham's response then, if I don't do this, God would have to raise him from the dead, showing Abraham's true faith to the future promises concerning Isaac. Abraham knew God can fulfill what he had promised to him. But he had to let go. He had to bring Isaac there. In fact, Judah pointedly states, either you send Benjamin or we'll die of starvation. So here faith is required by Jacob to trust God with the future of Jacob's family to the third generation. I mean, there's a lot at stake here. I mean, so we don't think about this because suppose Jacob don't want to do it. The brothers aren't going back. The progeny, the seed of Messiah is not safe. Now we say, well, you know, Pastor, we, listen, this is real live stuff. This is, put, this is skin in the game. They don't see the future. They, they know there's future promises. We know promises. How many people that we preach the gospel to and tell them the promise of eternal life in Christ and things of that nature. But, but unless God gives them the spirit, they, they, they don't understand they don't get it. You know, you're talking about living for eternity with Christ, the Savior of the world. And if they don't have the Spirit, it's like the scales have to be removed from their eyes. So there's a lot at stake here. And so we, well, you know, Pastor, we know the outcome. Be careful. Be careful. Because these are good lessons. Jacob... I mean, he does not want to let go of his son. He's already in his mind thought he's lost one son. And, you know, we, sometimes we just say, well, we know the outcome. But this is real life stuff. This is really happening to him. And Judah is challenging him, his son. Saying, we're not going. You know, and, and, and so, again, something to think about. And notice who's challenging Jacob to faith. That's Judah, the one who practically ordered that Joseph be sold into slavery. So now we're starting to see Judah start to turn here. Remember, it was Judah, the one who escaped to Canaan, getting mixed up with the Canaanites, and eventually repented of his sin, his rash behavior towards his daughter-in-law Tamar. Judah was a man who wanted, now listen to this, you, man, this is great stuff. We got to know that Genesis 38 is a huge section in this scripture. 
in this, in this narrative, Judah was a man who also wanted to control every situation. He tried to withhold offspring and learn the hard way. Judah here is growing in the grace and knowledge of God. Remember Judah's first two sons, they wouldn't marry Tamar, the second son, right? The first son uh, took his seed and put it on the ground, didn't want to bring up the, the progeny. And then, Je and then Judah tells his daughter-in-law, you know, go away and when my other son grows up and he refuses to do that and she's got to dress up as a lady of the night. We know the story. But he was not responsible, but Tamar made him responsible. Now he's making his father responsible. What a picture of somebody growing in the grace and knowledge of who we are in Christ. So praise God for that. Praise God. That we have those things here, these, these narrative uh, plays here. In fact, Judah was in the same position, and he failed, and he would not give up his son, Sheila, to keep the line going with Tamar, who eventually took matters into her own hand in light of the future of continuing the messianic line. In fact, Judah takes a stand, verse 5, and tells his father, Jacob, if you don't send Benjamin, then we're not going down. We're not going down because it's a useless journey. Now, there's a lesson here. There's a lot of lessons here. There's so much to unpack here. And, and you know, sometimes we don't have enough time to do it, but there's times in our own lives in the church, some hard conversations must take place. We have to remember in church, in church life, what's at stake? Eternity. Sometimes there's some challenging things that we have to discuss amongst each other. And these are, I mean, this is a family. I mean, if we are a church, and we, I believe this church is a true church, we're a family. And sometimes family has to discuss some hard things. And brothers and sisters in Christ must have to come to a point where they need to hold them or fold them. In Jacob's case, he must fold his hand. These are not easy things. Judah has taken a stand on truth. Despite Jacob's reluctance, in fact, Jacob tells Judah, why did you even have to tell the man that you had another brother? I mean, are you kidding? Why did you do that? What, do you want me to lie, Dad? The guy asked me in a regular conversation. What am I supposed to do, tell him I don't have another brother? He asked me how you were doing. I said, you're doing fine. I mean, think about some of the things that the people of God would do. I mean, Jacob wants him basically to lie. Why'd you tell him you have another brother? But what about Simeon who was left in prison? No mention of him, the lesser brother. No mention of him. We have to be mindful here of Jacob trying to come up with his own providence, trying to dictate the situation, even to the point of wanting Jacob to lie, even wanting Judah to lie. I'm sorry. We've all been there. We've all played amateur providences in our life. But at the end of the day, we all have to face reality. This is a reality check for Jacob. You know, I, when I'm reading this and thinking about this now, let me say this rightly. The people in this world, eventually, every person in this world 
is going to have to face an eternal reality check. Everybody is going to have to face not only a reality check here, but an eternal reality check. And that, my friends, my brothers and sisters, is tough. Because at the end of the day, Charlie, all we can do is give the gospel. We can't open up nobody's heart. But you talk about facing a reality check. What about, Ron, when they have to stand before the throne of God as a sinner and not repenting of their sins? That's an eternal reality check. Again, we want to be mindful of what's going on here. There's a lot going on. And Judah and the brothers, notice both, tell the father in verse 7, that these questions and answers that you're asking about came up in a regular conversation that was asked. We didn't know that Benjamin would be part of the deal. We're just having a conversation. He asked us about our brother. He asked about our father. And Judah tells his father, either you comply or three generations will be wiped out. God has put Jacob in a do-or-die situation for the people of God and the future messianic line. We know the outcome. No, but this is real life stuff. And Judah does something that only a changed man would do. He tells his father, if Benjamin does not come back, Judah says, then take my life. What a 360 for Judah. What a 360. He says, listen, basically, if Benjamin don't come back, kill me. Now, that's a lot different than what Reuben said. Reuben said he told Jacob to take his sons. Yeah, big deal. I mean, okay, take my sons. What about Reuben? Right, but Reuben had lost his voice as the first voice, as the firstborn. We know that. But Wenham depicts in the book of Proverbs says that when we enter into these pledges foolishly, in fact, standing surety for someone was regarded very risky. Not to be entered into lightly. So basically, Judah says, I mean, look at the 360 that Judah has taken. He says, listen, Dad, listen, here's, here's what happens. If I don't bring Benjamin back, then kill me. Now, you think about the line of Judah. I don't want to get fancy for what the text here. I want to be careful. But you think about the line of Judah and who comes out of that line. And think about who goes to the cross for the sins of his people. It's almost, right? I mean, it's all, you think about Judah who says, you take my life if I don't bring Benjamin back. Well, think about Christ from the line, from the tribe of Judah, who goes on the cross, gives up his life for his people. What a picture, right? I mean, this is the, the, the lion, the tribe of Judah. And here we have a picture of that. Again, Judah's saying, listen, you can take my life if I don't bring the boy back. 
This is why we must realize that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Basically, Judah puts his life on the line and making Jacob an offer he can't refuse. Or shouldn't refuse. Here Judah is challenged challenging his father to work out his salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who puts in us to do his good pleasure. Again, yes, there's a huge focus on the brothers, but Jacob is the patriarch of the family, and he must lead by example. Now hear this. I'm going to say this twice. You cannot instill change on others if true change has not come in your life. You cannot instill change on others if true change is not coming to your life. Let me explain that. You can't give anybody salvation. But it was discussed in Bible study this morning that sometimes it's the way you live. Now, you have to give the gospel saves. But if you are preaching the gospel, if you're talking about the gospel, you better live according to the gospel. Or your testimony is going to be zero. And that's hard. You have to preach the gospel. You have to preach it. That's what saves somebody. But you also have to walk according to the way you preach. That's hard. That's hard. This has been Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Romaldi. Hope you were challenged uh, by the sermon. It will continue next week. God bless. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. Thank you.